studied a number of things to bring us to the point to really look at some of the types of Christ in the Old Testament and through the Bible. We talked about how Christ is the sum of the substance of the Bible. I would ask you this morning, how many of the prophets were it, were it was it, that spoke about Christ? All of them? Every one of them. Um, how much of God's word did we learn that's pointing us to Christ in one way or another? All of it. <laughs> and uh, who is Jehovah, God? He's Jesus, right? And so we've come now to just this one point we're working on, the types of Christ, and, and to talk about that. The objects, people, places, events, um, examples. Lots of different words you can use. Fashion, print, manner. All of those are, are words to describe the same word type. In the fashion of, in the manner of, this particular event, this particular character, picture Christ, this, you know, whatever it may be. Foreshadow, this object. There are the objects that are Christ. The tabernacle is full of everything in the tabernacle. Picture Christ. And so even objects themselves. And they, they foreshadow Christ or they reveal Christ to us. Something about him, something about his person, something about his work, something about his relationship with us. Everything in the Bible. You, you say, well, every single word is Christ. It is in the sense that he said, I am the word. So it is, yes. Amazingly, somehow, I can't answer this for you any better than I can truly explain the Trinity. But somehow this book is Christ. We know it's the living word of God. It's quick, it's live, and it's different than any other book. You read it, it comes off the page at you and speaks to you. It discerns the thoughts and intents of your heart because it's a person. That's about the best I can describe that, but it's true. It's all Christ. And a type in the Bible is obviously of God. It's obviously of God. It's amazing how God can prophesy what he's going to do. Understand predestination, prophecy, and providence are all the same thing. It's interesting how people that say they don't believe in pro uh, prophecy, or they don't believe in predestination, but they believe in prophecy, will <laughs> have a prophecy seminar <laughs> and say, well, we don't believe in that doctrine of predestination. It doesn't make any sense. Because God predetermining what, what he's going to do is predestination. Prophesying that he's going to do is him saying what he's going to do before he does it. Providence is when it comes to pass. It's all the same, same thing. But, so, in a type, you have a picture of God predetermining something, and then he's prophesying it in a type. He's proclaiming, this is what's going to happen, this is the way it's going to be. And then providence is when it comes to pass, in the person of Christ. Everything's fulfilled in Christ. And what I mean by it's obviously of God is that man cannot proclaim prophecy and it be genuine. Only God can do that. The same God that, that proclaimed four different kingdoms to rise uh, when Nebuchadnezzar was the king. It was Nebuchadnezzar, then after so forth, the Greeks, and then the Medes and Persians, and the Greeks, and the Romans. And then that one kingdom is coming. I wonder what that is.
put it in a picture over and over and over, a whole book full of them, pointing this angle. Boy, he was, he was wound up, and I was interested in it. You know, he had certain people on his radio show and talk about it. And then one day he was fired up, and he said, all these things that are happening are prophesied in the Bible. This is prophecy. This is end times. We have to get over there and put a stop to it. <laughs> and I thought, that doesn't add up. He didn't really believe it. Or he would say, there's no stopping it, like you just did. There's no, you don't stop it. <laughs> That's not going to happen. in God's Word that truly separate the world from God's people as they, as they look at God's Word. You know, the so-called scholars in the universities, and I'm not saying all of them, I'm just, in general, they're really smart, they understand the Bible, they couldn't see a type of the Bible on the numbers, right? And then, and then there's, you know, like the, the History Channel's had, they have these guys that are a theology professor at some university, and they're telling you how that the pyramids were created by aliens. You know, <laughs> and this is prophesied in the Bible over here, and this over, but this over here, this is when the aliens came down, and I'm like, you know, you don't have a clue. And so what separates us from them and understanding the Bible, obviously the Holy Spirit, but seeing Christ, and it's about Christ. It's not about aliens. It's not about any other thing. I know that's far out, but... It's truly all about him pointing us to this person that we have a relationship with, that we may know him more and, and have a greater and deeper relationship with him. Um, they're precious to us. Uh, the whole plan of redemption, the whole plan of redemption is in type form in the very first book of the Bible, the very first words of the Bible. Because the very first words of the Bible, right out of the bat, you have a tremendous type. And it doesn't stop from there. It just goes on through the Bible. By the way, the book of Genesis, the first 11 chapters, everything in the Bible is in seed form in those first 11 chapters. Then everything else is in the Bible in the first five books of the Bible, the, the first five books of Moses. And then from there on, you begin to pick it up. And it's like, it's all pointing that way to this one person. And uh, there in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. 
and the earth was void and without form. What's that a picture of? Well, there's the fall of mankind. And then God spoke, what? And said, let there be light. There's the plan of, of redemption. There's God sending his son. The, there wasn't uh, Jesus, there wasn't a sun or moon or stars for four more days, for four days. Yeah. Let there be light. And there's a there's a divide between the day and the night, the light and the darkness. Sin and righteousness. It's a picture on through the Bible. But then there's another layer on top of that. There's our experience of salvation. The earth was void and without form. What are we? Dead in trespasses and sins. What happened? The Lord spoke life into our hearts. Gave us new life. Everything about how he began to you know, give plant life and animal life and all that is all about us bearing fruit. And all those are pictures right there in the very beginning of the Bible. Let me give you a New Testament example just to show you so you'll see and maybe go back and look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. calendar of the Jewish day starts at night. And when you study these things, you see that the Old Testament, and I, I can't really go into all this right now, but just think with me for a minute. The Old Testament is like the moon, right, and the night. New Testament is the day. New Testament shines a light back on the Old Testament. All those, all those are pictures. And what's in the middle? Christ is in the middle of that. The earth was, that, was without form and it was void pictures the fallen state, not only of the world falling in, Christ coming and redeeming it, but our personal salvation, we're in a fallen state, void and without form, and then and we were in the darkness, and then notice uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, what? has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's the same, same creative power that God spoke in the beginning, that he spoke to our hearts and our lives. So Ephesians 3, I believe, that the same, same power that, that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead is what's in us. It's that same spoken power. It's the word of God spoken into our hearts. And it says, but we have this treasure, what? In an earthen vessel, there's your ultimate fulfillment of, of that picture there in the beginning of creation. There's a cre new created uh, life in us, but it's in this earthen vessel. And God put life on this earth, and it's a fallen earth. And we're still in the, in the uh, still have the sin nature and all that thing. All those are pictures. Verse 7 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God did it that way to show that it's his power, not our power. So we have, all through the Bible, we have examples. We have figures, patterns. Now these words mean different things, but they're all types. They're all words for types. An example, a figure, there's a difference between an example and a figure, we'll see that in a minute, but they're all types, ways of having a type. Uh, a particular person or, or an event Maybe in this manner Christ came, or in this fashion, or he was a figure of this or that. And so that's what we're going to, we're going to begin to study. We, um, these are all different Bible words meaning the same thing. Uh, foreshadow. There's nothing that teaches us more about Christ 
and to take a New Testament scripture. Matter of fact, this is a, the Lutheran way of preaching. You ever listen to a Lutheran preach? Always starts with the Old Testament text, goes to the New Testament, shines back on it, which is not a bad theory. <laughs> I teach God's word. It's not a bad way to do it. But there's nothing that teaches us more about Christ than taking a New Testament scripture to shine back on an Old Testament scripture and explain uh, what, it, what it's teaching and see how it's about Christ. Some examples. Joseph. Joseph was his father's favorite. And his father loved him. His father sent him to his brethren. And when they, when they uh, what did they do? They sold him. They rejected him. They, they uh, sold him into slavery. He was tempted. He suffered. Then what happened? He was exalted. And he redeemed his people. There's a picture of Christ. In the person of Joseph, Moses. What did Moses do? These are just people. Okay, now we got we got places, we got events, we got objects to come, symbolisms. But here, Moses, the mediator between God and the people of God. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. One yeah. real mediator. <laughs> Moses was a picture, right? He delivered his people. He was a prophet sent by God. He was a leader of God's people. He delivered God's people out of bondage. Not Christ do that. I think Brother Brian preached a really good message on yeah. delivering. Him being delivered two weeks in a row, he mentioned there two times he was here. Um, Joshua, the captain of the Lord's army, great mighty warrior, victorious warrior. Do we know of any time that Joshua lost? Was it one time when Achan, Achan did it, but it wasn't Joshua. <laughs> he stole the wedge of silver and hid it. But he was the captain of the Lord's army. David, the king of Israel mighty king of Israel, all unified under his authority, sitting on the throne, ruling and reigning over Israel. It's a picture of Christ. He's the ultimate king. Noah's Ark, the Ark saving God's people from the wrath of God. Now it was only eight then. We're hoping for more than eight. Abraham offering up Isaac. They went up on the mountain and, you know, Isaac well, where's the sacrifice? We have the, we have the fire. We have everything we need. Where's the sacrifice? Well, God will provide Himself a sacrifice. So when you get up onto the mountain, you see Abraham going to slaughter Isaac on an altar. There, Isaac's a picture of Christ. Abraham's a picture of the Father. And then before he does it, there happens to be this ram moseying along. Gets caught in a thicket, <laughs> and the Lord says, "Stop!" <laughs> and then the ram became a picture of Christ instead of Isaac. And as we'll see, because there's no perfect types, none of them can fulfill it. Yes. No type. Can, you can't make a type walk on all four. That's why we don't take a type and make a doctrine out of it and say, this is, this is our main thing, because none of them are perfect. Yes. No, no picture of type can uh, truly picture Christ all the way. Um, as we go through, just some ideas. Jonah. What's the picture there? Jesus said, there'll be no sign given this generation but the sign of the prophet Jonah. What's he talking about? Three days and three nights with me in the whale's belly. I believe that's probably what it is. And then he came up. Lord spit him out. Is, there, is that a perfect picture? <laughs> no. No. What happened to Jonah? He was mad when it was all over. He was angry. <laughs> so he can't picture Christ then. So there's no perfect types. Uh, we can't have a perfect type of Christ. Only a perfect Christ. Yes. Trying to put all of Christ into our minds. And these, 
in this fallen state that we're in, even though we're regenerated, we don't have the capacity to receive it. It'd be like taking a, a cup of water from the ocean and saying, I'm going to put that whole ocean in, in this cup. You, you can't do it. So God sends us these pictures through the Word of God. A little here, a little there, a lot of online. Yes. And why has He given us all these types? Is to tell us who I am. Yeah. That's exactly right. So if you'd ask the Lord, why did He give us all these things to tell you who I am? I am. Right. That's and what comes to my mind. One of His absolute greatest names. Huh? The self existent one. Yes. Who lives in the eternal present. <laughs> yes. it's, it's really funny that He brought that up because all these types. They're all different. Right? It's like that jewel you're talking about. You just turn and look at a different aspect of who he is. It is. It's an angle, another angle, another angle, because you can't see him all at once. It's kind of like the blind men that were, you know, uh, feeling of an elephant was asked to explain it. One guy had an ear, and he said, well, it's flat and floppy. Another guy had a tail. So it was a long thing. I can't tell what it is. Another guy had a trunk. So it feels like a tree. They're all right, but they're all incomplete. And that's kind of the way types are in the Bible about Christ. They're, they're not totally complete. They're wonderful. They point us to Christ. They show us, well, we can't receive it all. We have to have it here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept, in order to get to know him more and more. And the best we can ever do in a class like this or a sermon, <clears throat> any Bible study, is to just get a, a cup of that water, <laughs> you know, and look at it. And we keep getting another cup, another cup. Before we know it, the church knows quite a bit about Christ. And that's the idea. Uh, we also, you know, we have a well we can go get water from, too, which is the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. It's like a well springing up in us. And uh, I think if I had a well where I could get water, I'd live close to it. <laughs> go to it a lot, get all the water I could, uh, learn to draw from that well and to drink from it. Um, so we need pictures to represent Christ and God's word to us. And he can be seen in many different ways, many different angles, like Dan said. And the amount of understanding that the teacher has when he teaches, the capacity for uh, understanding that the people have when they hear, all those play a factor of how much you're going to receive. And so there's, again, there's no picture, there's no foreshadowing, there's no event that's going to say, oh, that's just the perfect. I think Joseph may be best, in my opinion, but still he's not, not complete, he's not totally perfect um, he's just a, another angle to take a look at it when Joseph, when Joseph uh, was exalted and became Pharaoh in Egypt and delivered his people that's all a picture of Christ but he didn't die first you see that, it's never complete it's never everything there that you'd like to have with that and so all these aspects play a factor. Our ability to understand it, it's not so simple as to say, well, there's these offices of Christ. He's prophet, so we'll study all about him being a prophet. He's priest, and we'll study all the things about the priesthood that he fulfills. He's king, and we'll study all that, and we'll understand it. All of his accomplishments. He redeemed us. He paid the price for our sins. He lived a life that we couldn't do that was perfect. When he died on the cross, he took our sins away. Expiation. They, they were taken away. Our sins were forgiven. We were justified. We stand righteous in the presence of God. All those are different aspects. Look at that. And look at all the different offices of Christ. And he put all that together. It, it's so vast. But that's not even the beginning of it. 
And then you have our flesh nature to contend with. <laughs> our capacity to receive it. So it's in little chunks. Little pieces, little pictures here and there. And you may not even get the whole picture. And then you get another part of another picture. And then we know more and more about Christ. And uh, I, I, here's a couple of thoughts. The offerings in the Old Testament. Burnt offering. Well, that pictures Christ being completely sacrificed. He gave everything. Burn up. Peace offering. He made peace. Sin offering. He had to pay the price for our sins. But all it took all those offerings to picture one offering. He said none of them were complete. All different views of the same thing. Everything in the Old Testament then somehow is pointing us to explaining to us the things of Christ. Teaching us as uh, who was it mentioned? I am. Brother Larry, teaching us those names, what they mean, and et cetera. Yes? Yeah, I did a little study on, on the, the, the temple sacrifice and being out in the wilderness, how it's designed, you know, all, all that. And I found out it's, it's a good part of everything from the cross. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's both of you know, uh, in the volume of this book. It's written to me. It, yeah. It all is. So you get to read the house and God has designed the temple. The tabernacle. The tabernacle. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm like, oh wow. You know, there's a lot of times in there. Everything is. And something to add to that is the very fact that he said to make it precisely like I say, don't deviate one bit. He made it exactly the way he wants it. Well, the people that turn away from the Lord in, in, in those times, the ones that worship the false gods in the mountains, they constructed altars and things that were not according to the way that God told us to make them. Right? And as you can look at one of those old altars and just take a glance at it and say, ooh, this is really bad, this is wrong. He started out wrong. And then before it's over with, they, they sacrifice the awfulest things on the altars. And it shows you every single word's important in God's eyes. He didn't, yes. he didn't say to do that exactly without a reason for it. Right. And it's all pointing to Christ. So yeah. if you build some other altar, you're not picturing Christ. You might think you're doing something great. And a Jewish man could go into any one of those because he knew what the real temple was like. They'd go into those ungodly heathen temples oh, yeah. and say, oh no, they, they turned away from the Lord, they're, they're worshiping uh, the false gods. Okay. You know, in the book of Malachi, after the temple was rebuilt, the, the, the priests were doing it from just for money, offering lame sacrifice, and they had a beautiful temple all redone. They could do it just right. But they wouldn't. They, couldn't, they lost the picture of Christ. That was the problem. And Billy, you're right about the tabernacle. And uh, we're going we're gonna to get into some of that, too. Every, everything in the tabernacle was a picture of Christ. Everything there, everything that was in the Ark of the Covenant was, was a picture of Christ, pointing to Christ. The altar itself, you know, uh, the, the priest doing the sacrifice, <laughs> the sacrifice, all of it, pointing uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, teaching us about who He is, His nature, um, His different offices, His work, His life, His death. All those are pictures, all those things are pictured. The fact that he's so perfect. You know that in my yes. scripture we see in the glass darkly, 
And the thing is, I mentioned earlier, our capacity to receive it here is hindered. Yeah. Our brain, the sin in our brain is a progress in Peter. And we can't receive it like we ought to. But when that's delivered, then we can begin to really learn and yeah. to know Christ and to really know Christ. And that's that passage in 1 Corinthians 13, Billy, where we see through the glass darkly, but then face to face, yeah. I shall know as I'm known. That means I'll know him like he knows me. He knows me way better now than I do him because he sees everything I'm doing. He, he made me. I haven't seen him like that yet. But I will. And then I'll have the capacity to receive it and then actually begin to learn. That's what's amazing. <laughs> Not just have it pumped in my brain, but have the capacity at that point to begin to know him like I ought to. Um, so, um, so before the Father sent him to die on the cross, he gave us a book full of pictures. And that's amazing to me that we can study that and have all those pictures. And it's all for us. You know that the Jews, it was dark to them. They couldn't see it. Sloan did. If you had the Holy Spirit, you understood. But still, those that had the Holy Spirit were, you know, they, were, they didn't have the understanding we do. They didn't, wasn't able to see it like we do. Even Peter said that the prophets would search diligently, inquire, seek God to show them their own writings. What manner of time and who is this? And it, which was speaking of Christ, Peter said. But they were seeking to find out, even with the Holy Spirit guiding them. But now we have the New Testament. We have the blessings of truth in the church. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The Lord's given us that light to see all those pictures. Christ is the truth, right? And the church being the pillar and the ground of the truth, it's like this. God's preserved His Word perfectly. God did that. Anybody ever try to tell you that man could hinder that or man got lucky or, or we don't know for sure. No, God preserved it perfectly Himself. I don't mean, I, by faith I know it's true. But on top of that, God preserved the truth contained in the Word church. Yeah. It's passed down. The understanding of the scriptures is passed down. And one of the linchpins is that it's all about Christ. And that's, that's why we're studying and talking about it. So it's all full of these pictures. It's written for our admonition and our learning with whom the ends of the age has come. That's us. And it's all for us. And I think uh, the people picturing Christ, the people, and that's what we're going to look at first, are probably the strongest, at least to me. We see different people in the Bible. They picture Christ. That's the reason I mentioned several people. Because those are the, the easiest ones to see uh, one after another. And as you read the Bible, when you come to another person or another character, you can think, how's this person a picture of Christ? How's this person? And you may not know. I may not know. <laughs> but we can try and we can look and we can understand that, that, that there is something there. So let's begin with Adam. And we'll get, it, we'll get into it just a little bit. 1 Corinthians 15. Say, how can Adam be a picture of Christ? Isn't he the opposite of Christ? Because he fell. Christ redeemed us. But he's still a picture. Because there's no perfect picture. But they're all pictures. Maybe Adam is the best picture. Actually, I said Joseph. Because Joseph's life laid out like Christ. But the gospel picture the best. But Adam may be the number one type. I'm not for sure. I don't know how we can say that for sure. First uh, Corinthians 15 is all about, mostly all about the resurrection. And it's talking about our body, verse 43. It's sown in dishonor, but raised in glory. 
sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown in a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so he's telling us there's physical bodies and there's a spiritual glorified body that we're going to have. They're both bodies. And he says, and so it is written. This is, it's written because of that purpose. It's written that there's a natural body and a spiritual body. It's written the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So who's the last Adam? So there's another name of Christ. Christ is Adam. Adam is Christ. He's at least the ultimate picture, I believe. Howbeit, that was not first which was spiritual, but that which was natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So the first man is Adam. And there's the person that we see. And he's made of the earth, not earthly, but earthy. I mean, he's made from the earth. We're all worms made from the earth. By the way, no. Christ wasn't made from the earth. You realize that? The body was not made from the earth. But Adam's was. And I'll throw this out there. Christ didn't get his manners from his mother. He was in his mother's womb. So every man has to have a mother that gives them their manhood. Adam didn't. He was made from the earth. Got to do that. But anyway, we got this man and this man. And they're both Adam. First Adam, last Adam. And the Bible's teaching us that. And the first man is of the earth, earthy, that's Adam. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, so are they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. You have a picture of Christ, a spiritual glorified body. Pre-incarnation, post-incarnation. You see that. And here it says that's the image that... We're going to be. He's talking about the resurrection. There's an earthly and a spiritual. And he's telling us, you're living in the earth, earthy body. <coughs> but you're going to be raised in a spiritual body. And the point, and what pictured that? These two men. This Adam and this Adam. There's the picture. So Adam's a picture of Christ. Amazingly, even though he fell, Christ came to redeem. Adam pictures Christ as a person to us. And he goes on to explain the resurrection and how the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, but we're going to have to have a body like Christ. You can't have a body like, body like Adam and go to heaven or to be with the Lord. You can't. You're going to have to have that changed. Go back to uh, Genesis 1, if you would. And I mean, this, this tells you a lot right here of how that Adam is a picture of Christ. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish. But I said them, by the way. Who's them? Adam and Eve, both, together. And we'll see that they're one also. And have dominion over the fish, and over the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And what did he do when he, when he created them? He gave man dominion over everything. You see a picture there? Who has dominion over everything? Yeah, yes, has more dominion than just the earth. 
you know, everything. But it's just a picture. Adam is a picture. He's made uh, in the image of God and therefore given dominion. That's exactly Christ. That exactly pictures Christ. And, and it, it's a picture that's unfolding. And um, the creator God and the creature made. This man was made. And they're one together, but they're two separate. And I'm going to try to show you what that means. Just like Adam and Eve are two different people. And I said that. They're two different people. Uh, in their life, though, what were they? One. They're two different people, but they're one. We see that picture in marriage. Um, in nature, in their nature, they were two individuals, but they were one person in marriage. And um, God joined the two, male and female, and they became one. Now look at Ephesians 5. And I'm not totally sure how all these things, you know, if you flushed them completely out and tried to study them out exhaustively, what it would come up to. But I, like I said, we're getting a cup. <laughs> and we're going to look at it. Or going to a mountain and getting a, a wheelbarrow full of dirt and we'll look through and see what we can find. That's about what we can do. In Ephesians 5, Beginning in verse 28. Notice here. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because you're one with that person. too. In some amazing spiritual way. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord, what? The church. So there's your picture. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. We are part of him. You understand that he's the head of the church, but there's oneness there. He's not a head like a head sitting on a torso. He's the head like the husband and a wife. And here it says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So why are you getting into that picture? Why don't you jump out of Christ? into marriage. Well, notice the next verse. Verse 32. And this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So when you see that relationship with Adam and Eve, with Christ, then you have it all folded in on itself. You have Adam and Eve as one, but God making them in His image that they would be one with Him. Is that fascinating? I Throw that in there. <laughs> that he, he made us like him. And then ultimately that we would be one with him. Like Adam and Eve was one. He pictured that. But he didn't make us in his image for no reason. Just some reason. It's that we would be one with him. And, and he's picturing what he's doing in the church. When he made Adam and Eve in the very beginning. But it was a mystery that was hid until Apostle Paul came along. Christ began to teach it, but just to his apostles. And the church was a mystery in the Old Testament. Now we see uh, every marriage is just that. Abraham and Sarah, you go through the Bible, you see that. Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Rachel. You see that picture on and on, two being one. What did Jesus pray for in John 17? He prayed, not only, I pray, I, I, not only for these, but them also, what do you have, brother? I was just reading that verse. I, yeah. I, I was, I was just go ahead and read it out loud. Yeah, verse 21, he said, uh, in his prayer, he's, well, neither prayer, in verse 20, he says, 
need to pray for, uh, I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent I just went to that verse. I was just thinking right. that whenever you were talking about And he loves us like the Father loves Christ, which but, is another mind-boggling thought. But, but the, you were just talking about us being one with Christ, and yes. he's praying for that very thing, that we be one with him and the Father. Right. And and so he's, and I know we're getting a little bit off of the types of Christ, but it, it, as you're going along, you grab this, and you say, look, this goes with it. And Christ prayed, glorify thou me with the glory I had with thee before the world was. So however, however Christ was before the world was, that's what we're going back to. And it seems like to me, to make a pretty strong case, that the whole plan of redemption is to get his people to a place to bring them back to that. Because there's going to be a time, and I can't understand it, and I, and I know I, I could get in trouble if I get out of orthodoxy, <laughs> but it seems to be some type of teaching there that God may be a little different than we can clearly see, and then at the end of the millennial reign of Christ, he delivers up the kingdom to the Father, and then God becomes all in all. What's that mean? I'm not sure, but is it, is it God revealing himself through the Son and working through the Spirit and then back to one or something? I don't know. But this that glory that was there is going to be reinstated in front of everybody and us one with him. And so, so as you go along, you're seeing these pictures and types of Christ. Sometimes they'll show you over here. You pick that up and take it with you as you're going along. So there in the very beginning, as he made Adam and Eve, he made them one. But why would he make them one? To picture something. But it pictured Christ and his church, which makes them one with God and Christ also, which is mind-boggling. And so everything to do with Christ, learning about Christ, is going to just show you what you need to know about God's Word. If you can see Christ in it, then you're getting there. You're beginning to know. It's wonderful to see God's Word and how it fits together perfectly as you go through the Word of God. You see there, if you, just a good example, Genesis chapter 1. There are two, Adam and Eve, but they're one. And then you see, over in John 17, Jesus praying for that. You see in Ephesians, oh, that's the picture. Christ in His church. And, and it's, it's amazing to see that. It's wonderful to see that when you have a sound understanding. And I know you can get so far out studying types that, you know, you, you lose, you'll lose some if you get too crazy. You can. You can start seeing them everywhere <laughs> and things that may not be what, what you think it is. But if it fits, it's not a coincidence. Amen. Then you begin to see how the whole Word of God fits together and how precious it is and how it all relates to Christ always and how, how God is always working in a way to point us Christ. And next week we're going to talk about how Christ is the express image of the Father. And how Adam was made. And how that's all a picture of him being the express image. He's the image of the invisible God. But then here's Adam making the image of him. And how does that work? That pulls us back in again. And so we'll, we'll look at that. And that if all the Old Testament is about Christ, um, then what about man being created in the image of God? How does that work? Why did he do that? It's amazing, because then we're going to end up with him someday. Like him, with him. And that was his plan to do that. So anyway, I hope that's a blessing. Take a break.